Um, I mean, literally, I, I, I came back and, and I, I w visited my mom and I, I, I spoke to her a couple things in Spanish on accident. And so, I, you know, I, I think I go to think of a word I, I, I was, uh, and, and it's just coming out. So I'm concerned about this morning a little bit. I'm going to try to think in Spanish, in English. Um, but uh, it was a great time to get to know um, some more people down there and see the work that uh, God has connected us with. And for those of you who don't know, the church in Texcoco, is uh, we really got to be um, part of that, uh, the beginning of that church. We are their covering, um, and now they've launched a number of new churches. They have 30, they have 30 cell groups. They, ha they are covering for, I think, five different churches now uh, in different areas. They have a pastor's conference every year where the, uh, the, those pastors as well as others come to. The, the church started with just the pastor, Aaron, and a couple of ladies in, the, in, a chicken, in, in, in a chicken coop. They actually were meeting in a room that the guy used to keep his chickens in, and he got rid of the chickens to start this work. Now the church is, is up to about 300 people. The other church that we helped plant a number of years ago, Cuatro Vientos, is now about the size of our church here. They're running about 80 in their services, and uh, they, they actually have a plan now and some of you have been there a few of you and if you ever want to go we can we can make that happen they are now about to build the, the another level over the sanctuary they just this last year we helped them build and put a roof onto a kids ministry area now they're going to put another level right above the sanctuary and make sanctuary to hold about 200 people and then they're going to have six salones uh, six rooms um, for more kids ministry and so it's and we're all part of that and it's such so wonderful it's great to see and we're going to bring pastor esteban up uh, who is the pastor of cuatro vientos and the future pastor of texcoco in march he's going to be with us for the for his first time. I don't play with you. Ed, has he ever been here? Uh, no, Esteban, the son, the son of Aaron. Uh, yeah, no, this, yeah, no, he's just the, the pre-pastor's kid. So it's exciting. Yeah, they, they, they always bring people up. And uh, so we're excited about that. So know that you're part of that and receive greetings, knowing that you're a part of what God is doing in all over the world, but in Mexico. So our hearts are definitely united with them. And uh, andamos adelante en el Señor. And so, the greetings from that. Anyway, amen, so greetings. If I go to, if I go to um, greet one of you ladies and I accidentally kiss you on the cheek, it's because, because that's, that's how they greet down there. And, you know, so this morning I already tried to do that with one of the ladies. I, you know, you shake, their, you shake their hand a little bit and then you go in and you kiss, you know, on the right side of the cheek. And you don't quite kiss, you just kind of, and so... Um, if I kiss you, forgive me. I'm still kissing in Mexican, in Spanish, I guess. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, um, this morning we have uh, Ed Breyer with us, um, who was part of uh, this congregation for years and years and years. He and his wife and family moved out to Florida. He's, he's been a lot of things. He is a lot of things. Um, he's uh, Shan Breyer's son. And so you all know Shan and what we've been praying for. So I'm going to ask Ed to come. He's going to share a little bit about what God's been doing um, in their life and ministry. Also give us an update so we can continue to pray for Shan. But uh, Ed Breyer was our, our worship pastor and our youth pastor, and he was in the office, and he wore a lot of hats over the years. Um, he was actually in my youth group at some point. So we go way, way back. In fact, I think I met you, Ed, when you were 12 or 11 probably. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, wow, we, we are getting old old at least I still have hair <laughs> but <laughs> we're gonna let, let's welcome Ed home amen most of your phones have it's called the clock app yeah just pull up your clock app real quick and turn to the alarm setting a lot of you guys have never probably seen this alarm setting before it's a very handy thing to have it helps you wake up in the morning uh, for most people but in before you go any further let me read you something in, in luke chapter 2 i'm sorry luke chapter 10 verse 2 it says, then he said to them, this is Jesus talking, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into the harvest. Now, I know a lot of us um, 
sometimes we can really easily get comfortable. We get sat in church for a long period of time. We think that the work of the harvest is for the work of the people that are in the ministry. But God's called us all to be the body of Christ. In fact, he commissioned us in Matthew 28. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples, right? So we all have this commission. We all have this responsibility on our shoulders. A lot of us kind of sit back. And I, like, I love what Jesse said about, um, you know, this is our, our pay-it-forward moment when we tithe. But there's still a responsibility. And sometimes we can hide behind even just giving um, and saying, somebody else will take care of it with my tithe. But here we are commissioned to go forward. So I want to challenge you guys this morning. If you can't even go out into the harvest, maybe you don't know how to talk to somebody about the love of Jesus Christ this morning. We can, we can pray of all things. We can pray. She meant, Jesse mentioned, mentioned that as well. So I would just challenge you. This is what we do. One of the things we do in our church in Florida is we set an alarm for 10.02 every day just to say a quick prayer. It just rings in our pocket. We ring it, shut, the rock, shut it off, pray real quick. And that's the least you can do. Prayer makes a difference, and, and it sends us out. So just, I mean, if you would go with me on that, if we could more people that we can have together praying to send laborers into the harvest, I think our church here, even at Christian Center, can uh, have these doors blown open before, in no time. Amen? So that's just something that was on my heart this morning. I wanted to share that real quick with you before I even go into what I want to say, because um, I, I believe in Christian Center. I, I did a lot of work here for a long time, and, and I know that the, there's a lot of people out there that still need to see Jesus for who he is and for what he is. Um, for the salvation that he can bring, the freedom that he can bring. Amen? Okay, so that's that. You know, um, you know I, can't, I left Christian Center here about four years ago. Um, I want to say I was more commissioned out because where we've been here on the, on the Treasure Coast in Florida has felt more like a, um, a mission field more than anything else. Um, when I, about five years ago, God put it on my heart to start pursuing the pastorate and, and possibly um, uh, taking on a, a sheepfold of my own, if you will, a congregation of my own. In the meantime... Uh, about six months before I left Christian Center, God placed it in my heart to, um, to go out and help other churches in their areas of worship and production and, and, that, and that side of ministry and build teams up for, for churches to have that aspect of their services. And so when I, when I got out to Florida, um, I took on a position in a large 1,600-member church um, to be their worship and small groups pastor. Awesome time, had a great time, great facility, had great things going on. Uh, we led worship uh, for a sunrise service one Easter, uh, had about 1,600 people in it. The sun came up over, our, over the water behind us as we were worshiping the Lord together. It was just an incredible time, people getting saved, and uh, that was a great, great aspect in ministry. But God took us from there, and we didn't get to stay there, which is fine. Because um, when he planted that on my heart, I said, God, how are you going to do this? Here I am still at Christian Center. Everything is going well. I have two kids. Um, we're making it. Things are, we're, you know, God's providing here. And I'm thinking, well, how am I going to go out and, and do this when I got a full-time position here at Christian Center? And it just so happened that um, God had been speaking to Rob at the same time <laughs> uh, in another area in the church and the body of Christ. And it was time for me to, to, to go out. And, and so we were released um, by, by other means <laughs> without getting into it. But I thought, God, this, okay, so this is an opportunity. This is how we're going to do it. So I got out there, started taking the turn out of youth ministry and pursuing this, this aspect of, um, of worship and production and helping other churches build. In the meantime, we've... Uh, with this, this seed that God planted to be a pastor of a church someday has been growing and growing. So through about the process of a three or four churches that we've helped um, get their production and, and things going, uh, we got connected with a church called Shore Life Church, which we've been with for about a year and a half. So on, uh, from, from the ground floor, we had 20 people in the congregation, um, 15 of which were serving in ministry. <laughs> so five people in the sanctuary. We had this huge production thing. So it was a long labor of love. For an hour, we'd, we'd unpack a whole uh, truck full of music equipment, lights and everything into this theater. And sometimes we'd only have five people in the sanctuary <laughs> or the theater at the time. Um, but it kept going and kept growing. Uh, Pastor Mark had some cancer, got, and God blessed him and, and healed him of that during that time. So the, the church started off kind of rough, but once we landed into a facility, um, the doors of the church blew open, and we, we saw people getting saved left and right. We were doing um, uh, baptisms at the beach. Uh, we baptized 15 people one day, and then people got saved at the beach at the same time, <laughs> seeing the baptism happening there. So incredible place of ministry where we're at right now. I'm trying to go as fast as I can and give you a good synopsis and not bore you. But... Um, What's incredible is that um, where God has strategically placed us on the Treasure Coast, we come to find out a Barna Research study said that um, it's the largest, has, so the Treasure Coast has the largest population of unchurched people in the United States of America. Christian, or, um, like I said, Christian Center is strategically placed here in the valley, and it's pretty saturated with churches, and there's still a large harvest out there. Um, on the Treasure Coast there, being the largest uh, place of unchurched people group in America, 
there's really so few churches. I mean, think about there's probably five to ten churches that I'm aware of that are really doing the work of the ministry in, in, our, in our little community when the, the coast is just flooded with people that need Jesus and they need to know community and the love of Christ. And the great thing about that out there is that it's still considered part of the South. They're very open to community and very open to communication on the things of God. So they're not far from God. They've at least heard some of it about who God is. They just need somebody to go there and, and be God and be Jesus to these people. So it's exciting what God's doing there. In fact, let me read you a scripture here because God sent us um, out there in this, uh, this ministry aspect um, to go out and do this work. And when he put it on our hearts to, to start this new uh, ministry to be a church plant out of the church that we're working with right now, the church plant that we, we came with and worked alongside now has grown to about 150 um, that includes kids, uh, large facility. Or the church facility holds about 100 people in the sanctuary, and the kids' ministry is like Christian Center. It's just blowing up. <laughs> There's hardly enough people to work the ministry of the children, but um, their, their heart is to plant churches that plant churches, and they're part of a ministry organization called Church of the Highlands, and, and they have a sub-ministry called Associated, Association of Related Churches, and that's what their, their whole mission is there, to plant churches that plant churches. Um, so we came alongside them with a primary goal. We told them at the beginning that, hey, we want to come alongside, see how you guys start churches, plant them, and send them out and start them from the ground floor. And so um, we, we've done that. We've, we've seen everything that we've, we've come to see. And God's been knocking on our hearts to, to, to launch and to be released from Shore Life for the last six months. And, and God was saying, when are you going to just trust me? I've been knocking on your heart. I've been setting this in your ministry. And I keep asking for, for confirmation. I've gotten confirmation. He's given it to me. And he's given it to Una. And he's given it to the people around us. And they're saying, well, why aren't you listening? Why don't you just get released? Why don't you go? <laughs> you know? And our chiropractor um, is, is a man of God. And he came to me one morning after um, he adjusted me. And he said, you know, I feel like God's saying it's time for you to go. I don't know what that means, but uh, it's time for you to be released and do what you need to do. I'm like, I just had this conversation with God this morning. <laughs> so, uh, and then later on that day, he gave me the scripture. I just wanted to read this to you uh, real quick. This is out of Acts um, chapter 20. This is out of the Message Bible. But it says, but there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any, pa- uh, any picnic, for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly that there are going to be times that are going to be hard, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God has started, the job that the Master Jesus gave me in letting everyone I meet know all about his incredible and extravagant generosity of the Lord. And I feel like that's where he's at. It's the, he's put that in our hearts, and it's time to re- be released and really share and go out there and get them. So we're excited about the harvest because it is plentiful, and it's huge out there. We're ready to go after it and go get it, and we have a strategy, and, and God's putting the vision in our hearts to start this ministry in South Florida. We don't know where it goes yet. Uh, we're taking the step of faith and stepping out, and it is a huge step of faith. Um, but I know that he's never failed us. When we step out in faith and obedience, he always comes through. So I'm excited about what God's going to do and what the future holds. Um, right now, we're kind of a holding pattern because um, what's going on with family, we, what, as all of you are well aware, my mom, Shan Breyer, who's been here at the church longer than you or I, <laughs> um, has uh, just really impacted lots of hearts of people that have come through this church. And we are blessed by her. I'm blessed to have her as my mom. Um, about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago now, uh, she was taken to the ER. She had, uh, she had gone to sepsis shock, and that's the, gen- the basis of what I'm telling you. There's a whole lot into this. Uh, but her liver was uh, producing bile that wasn't releasing itself. And so um, she went into septic shock. They re- uh, she was critically low. She was um, taken to the ER up here and then flown to uh, Victor Valley, where they did... Um, they, they worked on her immediately. They, they basically saved her life. They really did. Her blood pressure got really low. Uh, organs starting to shut down, and her kidneys were starting to shut down. But uh, they saved her life, and God saved her life through, through these, these doctors. They worked together. In the meantime, there's a lot of that stuff going on in her system that we're not quite sure where we're at yet right now. But over the long haul, over the couple weeks, um, she's had a bunch of tests done. We do know that there's a mass on her liver that's producing bile that's turning around and like basically eating the liver itself which is causing a lot of pain. They were able to go in and put a drain in last Friday, finally, and um, relieve a lot of that pain. So, so that's a good thing. She, at least she's out of pain. Um, she's still very sharp, very coherent. She would love any, um, well, I would say phone calls, but if everybody, you know, <laughs> charge her with phone calls, don't be offended if she doesn't answer them, because I know a lot of you guys have want to talk to her, but um, if you want to just leave a voicemail, she'll get it. 
if she's available, she'll answer it. Right? She, uh, she's, she's currently in isolation because they pretty sure they found MRSA virus in her system. So, that, um, so if you go down and visit her, she's at UC, UC Irvine. And you have to wear the gown and the, and the gloves to go in and see her, but she'd love to see you in it anyway. Um, it's been four or five days now, so the MRSA virus has likely subsided, and they've, they've hit it hardcore. Um, but nevertheless, the precautions are still there just in case. So I wouldn't, have, wouldn't worry about it if I were you guys, but um, you still have to dress up if you go see her. She is, um, she's very, very sharp. She's, um, uh, she's well aware of what's going on. Uh, it's easy to get depressed, so keep praying for her in that sense. Uh, but currently, there is the blood work and the numbers show that there's a lot going on in her system. There's, there's cancer and, and stuff all over. Um, but we're not getting a definitive answer yet. We're not getting a prognosis yet from the doctors. We should have something here very soon. Um, I need to go back and see my mom, my wife and kids here <laughs> very soon. So hopefully, um, you know, just pray for her, for her recovery. It is possible that she can still come home. There are some insurance issues uh, causing her. Um, she, she will need some 24 hour care, uh, for a while if, if she is released, um, to, for her to be recovered and to get back home in Big Bear. So it could be a while out when or if she does get released. So we're just praying for God to do, do miracles he has so far. Uh, but we do know this, God's, God's sovereign. And that uh, when, he, what he, when he says and he speaks, no one can reverse it. And uh, whether he heals her or not, there's a victory to be won. And we believe for healing, but we do believe that God is sovereign. And what happens um, will be glory to him either way. Because God, we, we all, he's given us a hope in a future. He's, we've also had mortal bodies because of the way the sin has entered in this world. Um, and, and God still, he touches people and he heals people. Whether he doesn't heal people and other, and other people he does heal um, is, is still up to his sovereignty and his sovereign plan that I'm not aware of. But we do know that the, this, that he gets the glory either way because of the life that she's lived. Um, people uh, are saved. People have, have changed lives and we're excited um, for her to come home. We're, we're believing in that. So believe with me in that in the meantime. Amen. So that's the synopsis. I hope I didn't take up all your preaching time because I'm looking forward to hear what you have to say. Amen. So thank you guys for your support. I really appreciate it. We'll be in touch in the future, and I'll give you some more updates here soon. Okay? God bless you all. Amen. Well, we will continue to pray for Shan and be in prayer for Ed and Una as they go off into uh, what God has for them. And you know, the idea of starting a church and we we all should be people who would want to start a church be part of something new to to evangelize so god might call you to be part of something exciting to be whether he'd call you to be the the pastor just go with a group of people to start another work because the gospel needs to be preached in every uh in every city in every language all around the world and it's exciting that we will be able to partner with ed noon as they um, begin to go off and do what god is calling them to do and we're in the book of First Peter, First uh, Peter chapter one, and the the letter was written to people who had started churches all over in in the northern part, the north of Jerusalem, and the letter's written to you know Cappadocia and Bithynia and Pontus and Galatia, and so this letter was written to the the churches that were church plants, and the gospel was spreading, um, and the trials and tribulations were beginning to come. A couple of weeks ago when we started here, we. Uh, just got a few verses today we're going to be in starting verse six but i want to catch us up as to what happened um, as we go into the word this morning and the very first part in first peter chapter one is in verse uh, six is this in this you greatly rejoice now again well i want to encourage you when we take one verse uh, out of the bible and you see something like in this you actually need to say in what in what? Just, just like when you see the word therefore. It's kind of the same idea, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to stop, read a few chapters or a few, few verses before that and find out what the therefore is therefore. It's talking about something that already happened. And so this, we want to say, in this, you greatly rejoice. Well, what is in this? That goes all the way back. So I want to read verses 3 through 5 and catch us up a little bit. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That is what we're greatly rejoicing in, is that God called us to salvation. He called us out of darkness. He caused us to be born again. He, he keeps our inheritance in heaven. Our inheritance will never fade. It will never change. It's incorruptible. It will never go away. Not only that, but we ourselves are guarded by the Spirit of God to, to reach that salvation. The salvation is going to fully be revealed in the end times. This is the, the, the reason that, as a couple weeks ago I preached and talked about, is that we give praise to God for all of these things, that, uh, that we are saved and that our inheritance is, is firm, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, died for our sins. The salvation is coming and ready to be real, revealed in the last time. And starting in verse 6, it says, so in this, in all of these things, we greatly, greatly rejoice greatly rejoice greatly rejoice is a wonderful picture it's it's the person you've you've seen on a on a video or just looked across the street and they're doing the happy dance and they don't realize anyone's looking have you ever caught somebody doing the happy dance or have you ever been doing the happy dance and all of a sudden you looked over and somebody's watching you and you're like oops right that's greatly rejoicing where you're just it's just like wow we are greatly rejoicing because god caused us to be born again he has begotten us our inheritance is safe it's never going to fade it's never going to be corrupted it's undefiled and we greatly rejoice in that and then going on in verse six and this is the, the main point of the message so we're greatly rejoicing in all of these things because hallelujah it's a christian word our faith is secured we once were in darkness now we're in light we once were blind, now we can see. God has come and done something amazing inside of us, and it's not fully here yet. We're still waiting to totally receive this in heaven. God did not come to just save us uh, and give us a better life here on this earth. He came to save us from hell, from sin, and it's fully going to be revealed in the future. And Christians, we need to get a hold of this. We need to remember this so that we can remember what's what what we're here for and i think that's one of the things that peter's trying to do is he's trying to remind the 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 christians there listen trials are coming but we rejoice not in in always the things here but we rejoice that we are saved and that our life and hope is beyond this place and so he says in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been grieved by various trials I'm going to read on just a couple verses. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Now, I'm going to go on and read 10, 11, and 12 real quick. I'm going to start at the end and then go back. Because it says this is, this is really neat. And, and then next week, we're going to go on to verse 13. Of this salvation, the salvation we're just talking about, the prophets, ha- prophets of the old have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. And you're probably going, I'm getting confused. Stop talking. I'm going to talk a little more and explain what's going on here because it is a little confusing. Verse 12, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And if you are at all like me, you went, huh? I tell you, I read and read and read these verses over and over again, and I had to slow it down and say, what is it really saying? Basically, it's what's saying. The prophets of the Old Testament, we've heard about the prophets. They were the crazy guys that dressed up in strange clothes that laid on their side for six months, that were walked around naked, that did all these things. They prophesied of a future, of salvation. They looked and they saw a savior coming they saw the messiah they didn't know when it was going to happen they just in their hearts they knew god put in their hearts and they began to prophesy they began to speak about this salvation and what this is simply saying is the men from old saw salvation coming 
they didn't know if it was going to be for them. In fact, they, they really th- hoped and thought it would be for them. But it wasn't. It was for us to, in this day, in the time of the writing, that Jesus Christ would be the Messiah who came. So, so Peter's just simply saying the prophets of old looked into the future and saw Jesus Christ coming, coming to be our Savior, coming to die for our sins. And, and it talks about things, and it just puts things together for those, especially those that were of the Jewish faith who knew of the prophecies of the prophets of old. And he was just kind of tying the bow. But then there's this little last part. And we're not going to go into depth in this, but it says, even the angels desired to look into this. What? Angels can't get saved. They don't understand salvation. Angels are already with God. And so there's something that you and I have of finding, finding Christ or, or receiving Christ and receiving salvation that they don't understand. They actually desire to look into is that joy that comes when somebody receives Christ. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. That means that, you know, 15 years ago, two years ago, whenever it was that you found Christ, whenever it was that you received Jesus Christ, there was this party happening in heaven. And it was an awesome party. There was rejoicing. They looked around. They said, Sue, you finally come to Jesus. And they went down and they did the happy dance. Woo! Because they had watched you and cared for you and looked out for you. And they just rejoiced. And they're like, I don't even understand this. Look at the joy that comes to somebody who finds Christ. Christ, do you remember that joy? Do you ever look at your life and go, what happened to that joy? This is what Peter's writing for. He's reminding us that we're supposed to greatly rejoice, that there was something that happened to us, and that it's not about coming to church on a Sunday morning and going, is this a two-hour service or only an hour and a half? When do we get out of here? Because I'm going to want to eat lunch, and I hope this pastor doesn't talk too long. That's not what it's ever been about. We come to celebrate and to greatly rejoice because of our salvation. But I tell you, there's times in my life I forget about that joy. And I just feel like, ah, another day, another day. And we need to be reminded, in this you greatly rejoice. Have you ever said something to somebody that wasn't true, but you said it as though it were, so that you might encourage them to actually be in that mood? You know what I'm saying? You know, they, they weren't really happy, but you just make this statement going, yeah, and, and that's, that's, we have so much to be thankful. Somebody's like, oh, things are bad, things are bad. And you just say maybe something that said something like, you know, and we have so much to be thankful for. Kind of like saying, you know, hey, you have a lot to be thankful for. You're trying to, this is what Peter's doing. In this you greatly rejoice. They might not have been rejoicing yet. But he's causing us and reminding us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on. And, and so we're going to go back to the, uh, a little earlier in First Peter because we just wanted to cover those things. The prophets prophesied about it. The angels are like, wow, look at this salvation. I don't even understand it, but look at how much joy they have. And so back to verse 6, it says, We greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Some of your uh, te- uh, translations might say temptations. Um, some of your translations might say afflictions. Let me, let's talk a little bit about trials. This word is, is a, a, a trial. It's a, it is, can be an affliction. But there's something more behind it when it's talking about trials here, that they are a proof, that they're actually there to prove you and, and um, to help find out where your faith is. And so we've been afflicted by various types of, of trials, difficulties, afflictions, <sighs> stuff. Stuff that just is difficult to go through. Anyone been, been afflicted by various types of trials in their life? Okay, not just one, right? I mean, various. I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes. And it seems like just about the time you recover from one, there's another one of a different kind coming. And you're like, is this ever going to stop? Here's a little hint. No. Well, it it actually will. When our salvation is revealed in the last day, all these trials will stop. But we're going to have them. Now, there, there will be times in your life that you're like, wow, man, things are going really good. And we say things like, God must love me this week. 
Because that's kind of the way we feel. When we're under these pressures and trials, we're like, God, do you not love me? And we're going to talk about that. He loves you so much that he allows us to go through these trials. Um, and so though we have gone through some of these trials, um, we can greatly rejoice as you've been grieved by various trials. And here's, here's the point. So um, before I go on, so the first part is talking about the benefits of our salvation. And they are many. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And remember when I, t- two weeks ago when we talked it, it kept throwing us not to this here. It says that we've been begotten again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance. Remember, inheritances aren't now. They're the future. It won't fade, but it's not yet. The, and it says through faith for salvation ready to be revealed. Listen, church, one of the things that we have to do is stop focusing on the earth and we need to focus on eternity. We need to get our eyes focused on the prize not on this world. Now, in this world, yes, sometimes we have tribulation, and yes, we have joy. I've got four kids. Every time one of them was born, I just rejoiced, and it was the most amazing thing that I could imagine in raising my kids. So yeah, there's joys on this earth, but our focus needs to be in eternity. If you found that your life is kind of, in a, in your Christian life um, is in, the, in, a, in a dull spot, in a place of, of uh, just no joy, I want to encourage you to begin to focus on eternity again. I want to encourage you to be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for you when he pulled you out of the darkness and begin to focus not right here, but on the long-term thing. We have to do that. Yesterday, my son, Sam, he had to take that. We went swimming down here at the ranch, and he had to take, uh, he had to take the swim test. And, um, and so in order to sw- swim in the deep end. And so they make him swim all the way down to the end. And then he's got to tread water at the nine-foot level for a minute straight. And he, can't, he can't let his head go underwater, and he can't touch the side. And he just started getting tired. He did it twice. And the first time, he was just kicking his little feet, and he was just, you know, and he didn't make it. And so he had to do it again a little later. And the second time, he says, you, you, you can do it. You just got a little bit longer, and then you do it. And I just kept coaching him, saying, you know, just a little bit longer. Don't think of how tired you are now. Because the little guy was tired. He doesn't know how to tread water very well. Like me in this world sometimes. I don't always know how to tread water. And so we get tired and we begin to sink. And we need to remember, no, we're going to keep our eyes not on this how tired I am right now. But in just 30 more seconds, I'm going to be able to swim in the deep end. Swim in the deep end. And that's what he had to do. And so the second time, he made it. He made it all the way through his little swim test. And then he was so tired, he probably didn't want to swim in the deep end. But <laughs> I think that's why they do that. Just tire them all out. And, and so, um, and <laughs> but, but that's us sometimes that, that we get really tired and we don't focus on eternity. And what do we do? We begin to go under. We get under depression. We begin to go under and we find ourselves walking back into sin and sinful uh, uh, thoughts and, and things like that. And we need to be reminded that, that this place is not all there is, that these trials are momentary. Now, some of you are saying, listen, I've been around a long time and I've had a trial now for 40 years. It doesn't feel very momentary. Compared to eternity, it is. It is. It's no different than when you've got little kids who can't wait an hour to watch their favorite show. And they're just dying because it's an hour away. Or you're going to Disneyland tomorrow and they're like, when can we go? It's forever. And it's like they're dying and they're suffering. (laughs) Guys, by the time we get to heaven, we'll look back on this life and say, oh my goodness, it was the same thing. So Peter is not uh, undermining your, the, the trials and the tribulation that they're going through, but he's going, you know, for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Trying to help him to focus again, though, on eternity. So what's the point um, of these trials? We need to focus on eternity. Then we need to focus on God's sovereignty and the purpose of trials. There's actually a purpose of trial, and it's not because God is this crazy, mean God up there with a a magnifying glass burning ants. You know, and I've actually heard people say that. I feel like God's just up there with a big magnifying glass. He's just focusing all the sun's power on me, and I'm going, ah! 
That's why we feel sometimes. That's not it. There's actually a purpose for trials and, and tribulations that come. Now, there's actually a number of purposes. Um, some trials are, are there, and they're actually necessary uh, to turn us away from sin. He allows things to come into our life to repro- uh, reprove us and correct us so that we might turn away from sin. Now, I'm going to put a little, a little pause in that and say another possibility of our tribulations and trials has nothing to do with God doing anything in our lives. We're just making really dumb choices. You know, I mean, sometimes we're just, we're just really not choosing well. And, and so we're going through trials and tribulations that we don't have to go through. And some of you are inside going, amen. My husband always does that. Oh, <laughs> You know, but we actually are just reaping what we're sowing. Now, here's the amazing thing about God. He'll even take our dumb choices, the things that we're causing ourselves to suffer in. And you guys know what I'm talking about because you're going, man, I can tell you so many times that the reason I suffered for this is because I just made the wrong choice. And he'll say, listen, I'll take that. And if you'll allow me, I'll work that for the good. It's a promise in the Bible. In Romans, it says God will work all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So even if we make those choices and we're suffering through trials, if we'll begin to come back to the Lord and love him, he will take that and he will use it for the good. So then there's the trials that are necessary to turn us away from sin. Some trials are necessary to protect us from sin. Huh? Now, Paul, think of Paul. Paul, the Bible says, had a thorn in his flesh. And he talked about that the reason for that thorn was to keep him humble keep him humble. And you know, Paul had a lot of reasons to be, uh, to be pri- proud. I mean, you know, think about it. This guy wrote, you know, the majority of the New Testament. He, he transformed the world. He was well-educated. He was uh, taught. He had influence at some different points. And uh, people were, were, you know, seeking out for him. Even the fact that he was wanted by so many people could be like, somebody would be going, yeah, I'm on 10 wanted posters. You know, have I mean, you ever met somebody like that? You know, they're like, they're like well, you're actually bragging about that. Well, for Paul, he could almost brag about that. Yes, wow. And he says, God gave him a, th- a trial a thorn in his flesh so that he wouldn't step into sin. So sometimes we go through trials to keep us humble. Sometimes we go through trials to keep us out of sin. Uh, another one I thought of was Jacob wrestling with God. Wrestling with God. And he said he wrestled with him all night. And the angel said, let me go, let me go. And he says, no. And so finally he gives him the, you know, he just touches his thigh and then Jacob walked with a limp. That was a trial that he would walk with forever, forever. And if he hadn't got that, he could have said, I wrestled with God and won. Sometimes we're given a trial, something in us to, to help us not step in to a pride or into some type of sin. I even think of Peter denying Christ. When he came back, I think he was humble because he knew that he was not above falling away from sin. The Bible says that um, when you restore somebody who's in sin, you should watch yourself so that you're not tempted. Because nobody is above sin. Nobody is above sin. Just when you think that you're above it, temptation is going to come. And so some trials are necessary to protect us from sin. Ultimately, um, trials are, are needed in order for us to grow in character. A big purpose of, of our trials, of these things that happen, are for us to grow in character. Now, that's the whole word that I want to help us understand is that the word really means to prove, to see, um, to, to see what, what you're made of. And so as, as we grow in character, God doesn't give us temptation so that we'll fail, but to test our character and so that we'll grow in character. We need to grow in character as Christians. I, if, if, if you keep falling to the same sin over and over and over again, stop it. It's, just, it's kind of simple. Stop it. Let God do a work in your life and grow in character instead of just allowing, so I just can never get off. You know what? Get some help. Find somebody who's going to stand with you. Put yourself into submission with some other people and get victory over these things. God doesn't want you to keep failing over the same thing over and over and over again. He wants to produce character. Uh, Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12, chapter 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace 
for those who have been trained by it. Not for everyone. We, gotta, we can't take the scriptures and just apply it to every situation and say, God works all things for the good. And this is just training. It, this is, you know, we, we could just say that, that this discipline seems bad now, but it, later on it's going to produce a harvest of righteousness. Hallelujah. No, it's only going to produce righteousness if you've been trained by it. You ever tried to train a dog to go to the bathroom outside and it didn't work? It just some dogs don't ever get it. They have not been trained even though you tried. Now, so I, I've talked to people, and sometimes that's the dog you got rid of. You're like, listen, I'm not going to do this anymore. This dog won't be trained. It's not that you didn't try to train, and not that you didn't read the book. The dog, for whatever reason, won't be trained. Righteousness is only going to happen in your life if you allow the discipline and correction that God gives to train you to stop pooping in the house. <laughs> We, we need to be trained by it. That means that, that when things begin to happen in our lives, we look at ourselves and say, wow, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stay closer to the Lord. Years ago, I was at Calvary Chapel. When Calvary Chapel was at, at Triangle Market in the Triangle there, that's where it started years ago, and a, and a, uh, a person came to the, the, the church, and they were an, Christian animal trainers, and I don't know what the connection totally was but he got a whole bunch of people up it was really funny she she got she had sent people into the back and they said what do you want us to train him to do and 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 they said we want to it was funny and they said train him to fly (laughs) right and so she goes okay no problem and she brought this guy back out and and i don't remember who the guy was and they had a little clicker little animal you know these little clickers i don't know if you've seen animal training they click it and what happens is when you when they click it they, they uh, will touch like the person's hand and click it, and then they'll give the person a treat or the animal. So they click it, touch it to whatever they want to do, and then they um, give the treat. So for a dog, you would click it, touch it to its nose, and then give it a treat. Click it again, touch it to its nose, give them a treat. And the dog goes, ooh, click, touch nose, get a treat. So she backs up a little bit, clicks it, and the dog walks up and touches the clicker with his nose, and you give it a treat. So they did this to this guy. She clicked it, touched his hand over here, and then gave him a little treat. And clicked it again, and touched it up here, and pretty soon he was, she was going click, click, and he was going. <laughs> and she taught him to fly. He was trained by something. He actually learned. He liked the little treats. Boy, are we simple. When a trial comes into your life, do you allow it to train you so that your actions will be different, so that your life will be different? Or when trials come, do you just keep finding yourself going around the same mountain over and over again? Like this, the, the circle in, in Mexico years ago at Tijuana, I could never get off it the first time. Some of you were on that one. So we want to be trained by it. Trials also are necessary to, in order to equip us for ministry. God has got a purpose for each one of us in here. He's got a plan for you and a purpose to, to, to live for him, to evangelize, to serve him, to serve friends, to serve your, your neighbors, to serve the body of Christ. He says to, we're supposed to love God with all our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves. He has a plan of ministry. Remember the word ministry means service. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. Comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So we go through trials and tribulations so that we can minister to other people. We can comfort them. And listen, it's not exactly always in the same. It says, um, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have received. So when you go through a trial and, and, and walk with God, you then have the ability to minister to somebody else, even if it's in something else. Their trial doesn't have to be the same as your trial for you to comfort them, to minister to them. But you can only minister in comfort if you'll receive the ministry and comfort of God for yourself. 
We have to begin to go through a trial and be trained by it and actually succeed um, going through the trial well. When kids take a test, which is a type of trial, you don't reward them for getting an F. Well, at least they didn't used to. Well, at least they tried. When the worst team gets a trophy, we're actually doing something unbiblical. We're, we're trained. We're supposed to be trained to, to, be, to work harder and to become better. But the same thing happens with a kid in a test. You don't reward them for getting an F and saying, well, that's just, you did so good failing in your trial. God doesn't say the same thing to us. He, he wants us to succeed. So he never gives us a test that we can't pass. It says with every trial, every temptation, he gives us a way out that we can pass through this. So we need, to, we need to focus on eternity. We need to focus on the purpose of trials. The trial is there in your life to help you to grow and become more stable and more healthy and be able to minister to others. We need to focus on faith. We need to focus on faith. Trials prove the genuineness of one's faith. That's what the word actually means. It's actually there to prove what you're made of. And, and it's, it begins to talk about the comparison to gold. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen smelting and, and um, when, when, a gold, when a gold smelter they comes, they refine the gold. Well, they do a lot of things with the gold and precious metals. One of the things they do is they put it to the fire. In the, in the, the olden days, they've got a lot more things they do now they would begin to heat up the ore and other metals besides gold melt at a lower temperature, especially non-precious metals. Tin and um, lead, these things actually melt, uh, begin to melt like 700 degrees, something like 400 to 480 degrees. Tin begins to melt, I think. And so you can tell that those metals aren't precious. They aren't gold. So part of the reason of a, a fire is to find out, is your faith real? Is it actually a genuine faith? So there's a lot of people who call themselves Christian, but they might not have a genuine faith. The fire tests the genuineness of each of our faiths. Matthew 13 says it this way in verse 20. To the one who received the seed, it was talking about when they were uh, planting the seed, that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Right? They hear the gospel and they go, yeah, this is wonderful. I just, I just love this message. It just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. It says, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. When a trial comes, part of it is to test whether or not your faith is really genuine. If you have faith in God, if you have faith that, that he's called you out of darkness and that it's permanent and that we're supposed to be marching on to heaven together when the trials come, we're not going to melt at 400 degrees. Our faith is going to be stronger. And that's why it's important as, as Christians to, to build ourselves up in our faith is to grow and become stronger become, uh, allow the purification process to get rid of all of the junk in our lives so that we become solid, mature, precious metal type of Christians. You know, I look at my life and I think, there's, there's still some junk in it. God wants to melt it away. He wants to scoop off the bad stuff, the dross. He wants to purify me. In fact, you know, when they would be purifying the gold, they would know it was pure. One of the things is they, because they could look into it and see their reflection. When Christ is purifying your life, he wants to look into your life and see his reflection. When people look at you, do they see the junk or do they see the reflection of Jesus Christ? I want them to see Jesus in me. I want to grow from my trials. I want to be valuable to the kingdom of God. I want to be valuable to the people in the body and to the world. I want to have good things. And the only way to get those is to go through the trials for a short time. 
So we need to focus on the purpose of the trials. We also need to focus on the future glory. And we, we already kind of covered that a little bit. We need to focus on the, on the heaven that's waiting for us. The Bible says, in, 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 right in First Peter here, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though it's refined by fire. Our faith is, is more valuable than gold. Gold perishes, our faith doesn't, but it may be proved genuine, and here comes, and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. The Bible is hard to understand because they, they need more commas. They need complete thoughts. You ever been reading it and you're like, wait, wait, that just said too many things all at once. So let's... let's these have come, trials have come, so that your faith, which is worth more than gold, even though gold perishes and refined, it's refined by fire, that's talking about gold, your faith may be proved genuine, which we're just talking about. Is your faith genuine? Is it just, is it just something you've added on to your life? And when the trials are coming, do you people, do you, will you fall away? And we've all seen people who had a gen- seemed like a genuine experience, a real emotional experience at the front at the altar or at a thing, but they fall away. It wasn't genuine, maybe. But what our faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is at the end of time. When we go through the trials, when we are trained by them, when we've allowed God to change us and to help us to grow, the, you will receive praise and glory and honor from God himself. Now, now you're like, well, I don't want that. We're going to be super humble here and say, I don't, want, I don't want any of that. I just want to make it to heaven. Here's the thing. Whether you want it or not, it's going to happen. And it's going to look like this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You shared your faith. You visited me. And he's going to begin to remind us of the things that we did. Not just for salvation. Salvation, as Christians, we're not going to be judged for whether we're saved or not. We're saved. He's not gonna, we don't have to earn it. We're already saved. But each person will have our works tested in the fire. Whether we like that idea or not. I've always pictured, and now we have technology, it's really, really easy. I've always pictured this huge flat screen TV, even before we had flat screen TVs. Huge. And I get to heaven. The very first thing happens, Jesus says, well done. He says, now we're going to watch your life. And he pushes play. And you go, oh. (sighs) Not the sinful parts. Those are forgiven. Remember when you had it in your heart to go witness to your neighbor and you just kept saying no? Remember? We actually are going to go through that. Remember that, that trial that I sent to you? I wanted you to come out stronger. And you just kept walking right back into sin. Or, remember that you were built up and he just begins to give you praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's what he's talking about here. Our faith, as it's proved genuine, can result in praise and glory and honor in the end times. James 1-2 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Here's the question. Does, your, does simply going through a trial warrant a reward in heaven? Or do you have to pass the test? It's going through the trial and remain and persevere through the trial. Israel went through trials in the wilderness and some of them they didn't pass. 
and they wandered and wandered and wandered. God is calling us to pass the tests. Be faithful and you will be rewarded. God will honor those who've been faithful in the way they've persevered through trials. So we'd have to faithfully seek God during the trial. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have to focus on what is unseen. We have to focus on the eternal. And then we have to focus our relationship with Christ. When we're going through trials, we need to draw closer to Him. And the Bible says if you draw close to Him, He'll draw close to you. Focus on your relationship to Christ. Let your trials draw you closer together. If you've ever been through a, a real heated, um, difficult time with somebody, you know that it brings two people together. But I've also seen people and couples go through a trial together where they do some things incorrectly. They begin to blame each other. Go through a trial together with your spouse. If you go through it together joining together, looking for strength in each other, your marriage will go stronger. If you go through a trial blaming one another for the reason of the trial, your relationship goes apart. When we go through trials, we don't want to say, God, you're just making everything bad for me. Guess what? You're not going to draw closer to God with prayers like that. But when you cry out like David did, comfort me, quoting he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, God, I'm with you. Focus on your relationship with Christ and you'll come out of the trial drawing closer instead of further away from Christ. Jacob and Rachel. He had to work seven more years to get Rachel. Remember that? Genesis chapter 29, I believe. You know, he worked, he got the wrong wife. So he says, okay, we'll work seven more years and I'll give you Rachel too. He says, for him it seemed like just days. So the Bible says, go read Genesis 29. Because he loved her so much. The trial of being uh, unfairly um, taken advantage of in a deal. He was, he was taken advantage of. He did not receive what he wanted. He, for the next seven years, had the trial of working and working and working. And he says, but it seemed like only days because I loved her so much. Did that trial draw him closer to Rachel or further apart? (sighs) We have to put our focus on the right things and begin to speak the word and get into the word. Know this, just as in Daniel chapter 3. When you walk through the fiery furnace and you're thrown in there, stay faithful to him. Remember the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not bow down. They were in, in, in danger of losing everything. And they says, O king, we will not bow down. And they even said this. I love this. God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Their faith wasn't in, oh, I'll only serve God if he's good to me if he saves me, if he does what I want him to do for me, their faith was, no matter what, I'm faithful, even if he doesn't save us. And so they got the fire even hotter. They pumped it up, and all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looks, and he says, there's four. I see four. We only threw three in. And he he said, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Stay faithful to God in your trials. Look to Him. Allow Him to be the fourth person in the fire with you. How can we have joy in the midst of trial? We need to focus on the benefits of our great salvation, our new birth, our inheritance, and our security. We need to focus on eternity. Our trials are brief in comparison with eternity. Continue to remind yourself. We need to focus on God's sovereignty and the purpose of our trials. Our trials aren't an accident. It's necessary to grow and mature in Christ. We need to focus on our faith. Allow the trials to prove the genuineness of your faith and your faith to grow. Focus on eternal glory because through our trials, our faithfulness will be rewarded finally focusing on that relationship with Christ 
Your trials can bring you intimacy with Christ. Turn to Him. Focus on the relationship with Him. Though we're suffering all kinds of trials, if we begin to turn our hearts to Him and begin to rejoice and focus on these things, I think we'll pass through these trials and we'll come out more mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's hard to thank you for trials in the natural, but we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. God, perseverance must finish its work in our life. God, we want to be we found faithful. God, we want to be found of pure gold, of pure metal. God, we want, to, we want our reflection to be your reflection in our life. God, but trials are difficult. So I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that each and every person in this room would have a genuine faith, that their faith would be fully rooted and grounded in you, and that each of us would begin to know the word more and more, and that you would guard us, as the Bible says you would, until our salvation is fully revealed. God, give us strength to go through trials. Help us to draw close to you, to look to you, to focus on eternity, to focus on a relationship with you when you go through trials, and not to pull back, but instead to press in. Pray to strengthen each of us. Give us joy in the journey as we wait for your return and look forward expectantly to heaven, bringing everyone we can with us to heaven. Bless us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.